All right, well, let's get into God's Word this morning. Commercials. I, I have absolutely loved uh, Pastor Mark's sermon series that he started called First Things First. Starting off the new year, trying to prioritize what should be number one, right? And he's mentioned a few times that maybe some things need to move up on your list, which means that maybe other things need to move down or get thrown completely off. And so that's, that's a challenge for us because we are creatures of habit, right? And the way I'm living right now is how I've been set up probably for a little while or at least has been done over time. So in order to make some changes, it's okay that that may take some time, right? So make sure you give yourself some time as you readjust and try to figure things out. That's okay. Um, it doesn't have to be done tomorrow, but God does want us to begin to work on those things. I've, I've loved his the sermon series, Matthew. He's used Matthew 22 uh, verses 33 through 39, and they have some incredible truths that have been woven in that, that we've discovered. This is where Jesus asked, what is the greatest commandment? And his response is absolutely perfect. When he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And, and so what he's done, Pastor Mark has used this section of Scripture to help us start the new year with right priorities. And the new year is a perfect time to reflect on God's Word and hopefully adjust our life accordingly. There's a few things I would like to adjust in my own life, actually, to, to better reflect what Jesus is saying here. One specifically was communicated in the sermon about loving God. And maybe you're, maybe you're somewhat, somewhat like this in the fact that I can, do, I can do really well and follow through by just doing the right thing. Does that make sense? I can do the right thing because it's the right thing. I can obey and do what I'm supposed to, and I can kind of keep going. You know, you put your head down for another yard. And, but this is the point that kind of stood out to me. He said, we don't love God because he told us to love him as an act of obedience, but as a response to getting to know him. There's a big difference there. And I want my personal life. I want the loving of my wife, the raising of my kids, the passion of influencing others to find Jesus. What I do for this church to be done as a natural response of love that flows from an incredible relationship with God. Does that make sense? And I, you know, I think we would all want that, but that, that was one thing that, that stood out to me. If, if I'm being honest, I don't do that all the time. So this year I want my life to reflect this idea just a little bit better. Can some of you relate to what I'm talking about? Maybe, maybe for some of you, it's, it's simply your, your life needs to reflect loving others better. That was another thing that Pastor Mark talked about. I think all of us could use some work here. Think of your in-laws or that guy at girl or girl at work or that person who wronged you or the people who think totally different than you, right? So let's all practice loving others with the love that Christ had. Or, or maybe God wants to help you change your own view of yourself. This is actually a, quite a bigger issue than maybe we think in our culture. How can you love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself as you should? I thought that was a great sermon. I haven't heard that perspective from that scripture before. That was very relevant. How can you love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself like you should? And you are worth loving, you are worth investing in. So maybe God wants you to do something in your life that way. And so these are awesome 
concepts. These are awesome principles. And these concepts are incredibly important. To not put these biblical principles into practice would be missing the entire heart of the gospel. If you don't get these concepts, you miss the heart of Jesus' message. It really is. The two greatest commandments. By contrast, when loving God and loving others and loving yourself are understood and practiced, you actually experience a richer understanding of who God is, right? And a deeper relationship with Him. It changes for the better your view of yourself, how you look at others, and it revolutionizes your walk with Jesus. And hopefully that's what God's doing in your life and in mine. And who wouldn't want to accomplish those things in 2015, right? We're setting goals, we're figuring out what we want to do. And if I could accomplish those three things, that would be awesome. So make sure you go back and listen to those podcasts if you missed them and go back and read your notes. Figure out what God wants you to do or change or believe. And that would be putting first things first, right? So those are, those are incredibly important. Hopefully we're all doing that. But as important as those things are, there is one thing I'd like to add to first things first. In fact, what I want to talk to you about this morning is so critical that if we miss it, it will render everything Pastor Mark has just talked about in January useless. Truthfully, if, if this concept that, that I'm about to tell you is not functioning in your life, Jesus could speak to you in an audible voice standing right in front of you and you wouldn't listen. It's happened. It's the difference between getting it and not getting it. This concept is the key to unlocking a real relationship with Jesus. What I want to talk to you about today is loving to learn from God. Or in one word, being teachable. Being teachable. In order to practice first things first, we need to love learning from God. An unwillingness to learn from God can make the best sermon, the reading of God's Word, the testimonies, Wednesday night classes, even the words of Jesus Himself fall on deaf ears. Do you ever realize that? And if this happens, you'll never experience real life change. You'll never experience what God really has for you spiritually. However, the opposite is also true. One teachable person can be transformed by the power of God with one sentence. Has that ever happened to you? We open up our minds and our hearts and be teachable. Or if you're teachable, a sermon can bring change to your life. A willing heart and teachable spirit can bring hope, joy, peace, instruction, correction, and healing, right? As a teachable person, the words of 2 Timothy 3.16 ring true for all of you that all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Those words come alive because you've experienced it, right? But if you're not teachable, then you're not experiencing that. And so people can literally look at God's Word and say, and, and, and I've heard this out of people's mouths, eh, it just hasn't worked. Now, sometimes it's our expectation of what we think should work, but other times it's literally someone not being teachable and not having a heart open to hear from God. And if you think about it, this, this makes sense though, right? I mean, if we're in, in all reality, after all, who wouldn't want to learn from the creator of the universe, right? You're going to learn from someone. It should be God himself. 
the one who literally created the universe, the one who, who created life, who put every living thing together, the one powerful enough to speak things into existence, God who created the complexity of our interwoven environment, who put into motion the seasons, bringing the life of spring out of the dead of winter, God whose ways are above our ways, has the intellect and creativity to form the birds, the many species in the ocean, most of which are undiscovered by humanity, who created the vastness of the skies, the depths of the sea, the creative beauty of winter, spring, summer, and fall, the very one who breathed life into humanity, made in his image. Who wouldn't want to learn from the great wisdom giver, like Solomon, who is described as the wisest man ever to be on earth, both no one before him was wiser, no one after him was wiser. And the source of his wisdom, of Solomon's great wisdom and understanding, was God himself. There has been no one wiser than Solomon on all the earth. Who wouldn't want to glean everything they can from the one who embodies love itself, who came to earth in human form to reconnect with humanity, who constantly chooses to reject their Savior, God the Son who demonstrated his power to literally reverse the irreversible, as Pastor Mitch mentioned during our worship time today, to reverse the irreversible when he rose from the dead. Who wouldn't want to sit at his feet and learn? The one who came to earth as God the Holy Spirit to literally live inside each one of us who would ask. God who said the same power that raised Christ from the dead can dwell inside of each of us if we believe and ask. Who in their right mind would say, no, that's okay. There's nothing I really want to learn from you. Right? If you put it that way, like, well, yeah, of course. I'd want to learn everything from him if you word it like that. But that's, that's the reality of it, isn't it? So let me see if I can unfold this idea of being teachable in a little different way. As a teacher and a parent, I've seen this willingness, and so have you, to learn played out many times. But specifically, I want to tell you a story about seventh grade boys. There's a lot of stories that I could tell you about seventh grade boys. But we are going to focus on one. Um, this is a quick story about two seventh grade boys. You could tell um, all kinds of stories. I, I want to tell this one for a reason. See, one of them was teachable, and the other one was not. We'll call them Eddie and Nate. Eddie was incredibly bright. Those aren't their real names, by the way. He tested well, Eddie did, and was very competent. Nate, on the other hand, had struggled with his schoolwork, didn't test as high, and he needed a little extra help to understand concepts and complete his homework and everything. Nate, however, was teachable. He, he put the extra work in. He paid close attention. He asked for help. He listened and participated in lessons. He worked hard and did his best. Eddie, on the other hand, was the definition of a class clown, pretty much. Eddie did not do those things. Um, he showed up late, if at all. He made no attempt to participate in school. He didn't do his homework, didn't come prepared, and was more concerned about making kids laugh than accomplishing any, anything school-related. So I'm choosing these two. One is teachable, one is not. Eddie was not teachable. Although he had the potential, the brains, the competence, he didn't want to learn from anyone. That was just the reality of it. Whereas Nate succeeded because of his willingness to learn. Eddie never reached his potential that school year, whereas Nate performed well beyond his potential. Well, why is that? Why would that happen? 
but because Nate was teachable. God sees all of our potential. Most importantly, he sees the potential of what he wants to do in our hearts and the potential spiritually that we have. And the only way to succeed, spiritually or otherwise, is to be teachable. Being teachable is not about intellect. Being teachable is more about a willingness to learn. Is this making sense this morning? We should be willing to learn no matter where you think you're at or where you think you came from. The issue isn't, I don't know. The issue is, am I willing to? Do I want to? Being in education, I noticed a, uh, an emphasis on a half-truth that I think our culture holds. This half-truth of thinking is extremely prevalent in, in education circles and everything, too. And it's, like, it's a half-truth, so it's not entirely wrong. But it goes something like this. People don't do the right thing because they don't know. They need to be educated, right? And I think that's only half-true in many situations. Here's what I found after years in, in education is the other half, the other side of the coin, is people usually, or Eddie, usually don't do what is right because they don't want to. Right? It's not because they don't know. It's not that the expectations haven't been laid out. It's not that the truth hasn't been revealed. It's literally, I don't want to. That's what it is. Pastor Mark put it this way in a conversation I was having with him a while back. He said, most people are educated beyond their obedience. I thought, that's pretty good. I'm going to chew on that for a little while. And I think that's true. We have more access to information in our culture than we've ever had throughout all of history, right? But that's only half of it. I think the other half maybe be the, the bigger issue. Information maybe too often is falling on unwilling or unteachable hearts. Students aren't just kids in school. After all, aren't, aren't we all students? Aren't we all people who should be learning? And I believe that there seems to be two types of students or two types of people out there, those who choose to be teachable and want to learn and those who choose to be unteachable and don't want to learn. I believe all of us here want to be people who love to learn from God, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't have driven through snow to be here. There's, there's a willingness there, which is awesome. So, what we're going to do is take a look at God's Word to see a few examples of those who were willing to learn from God. And then we'll discover a few characteristics that people who are willing to learn from God or people that are teachable, what are some characteristics that they possess? And then allow God to speak to us and say, all right, God, what do you want to do? What do I need to do? So everybody grab your Bibles. We're going to look at a lot of Scripture this morning. So um, we're going to do that first. We're going to jump to two stories. And then um, what we're going to do is look at three points from these stories or these examples of being teachable. So first we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 22. 2 Kings chapter 22. You've got your Bibles. See some of you with Bibles like this, right? 2 Kings chapter 22, we're going to look at verse 19. And while you're turning there, let me give you just, kind of catch us all up to speed here on, on the history so far to this point, and then we're going to read what verse 19 says. At this point in the history of Israel, the kingdom has been divided into two separate kingdoms, Israel and Judah, because of the sin of Solomon. 
most of the kings of Israel and Judah had, commit, had continued to do evil, doing the opposite of what God commanded. And then we get to 2 Kings 22, where an eight-year-old boy named Josiah takes over as king of Judah. How many of you would say eight-year-old boy as king would be a train wreck? Yes. My son just turned nine. If he were king last year, we'd probably have a lot of pie and ice cream, but that may be about it. A lot of sports on TV. So, but Josiah apparently had a, had a little bit more wisdom than that, or at least he grew into some wisdom. So, Josiah takes over as king in Judah, and the Bible says this about Josiah in Second Kings um, 22, verse 2, and then we'll jump to 19. He says that he, being Josiah, did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. Nor did he turn aside to the right or to the left. So, that's what it says about Josiah. Pretty good thing to be said about a, who, a guy who started as king at eight years old. After Josiah had been king for 18 years, one of the priests stumbled upon the book of the law, which is really part of what we would call the Old Testament. Can you imagine stumbling upon the Bible? Like in our culture, I mean, Bibles are everywhere, it's accessible, right? But this, because of the condition maybe of their culture that they were in, they literally didn't know what was just put to pen and paper as scripture um, just a few hundred years ago. So what happens, the priest begins to read this to Josiah. And Josiah can't believe what he's hearing. I mean, imagine your, your whole culture... Is, is living this way, and then the revelation of God's word comes, and it says that you should be living this way. Okay? The God of the universe, and, and as a believer, you look at this and you're like, holy cow, we're not even close. Even an eight-year-old boy could get that. And over, this is where we need to be. And so you're comparing and contrasting the two, and he couldn't believe what, what he was hearing. This is, this is how God had wanted them to act and live, and, and nobody ever knew it. They were living this way. And here's where Josiah shows his willingness to learn. If we look at verse 11, chapter 22, verse 11. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah, the priest, Hekiam, the son of Shaphan, Akbor, the son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the scribe. If you know these, please don't come and correct me after the sermon. Okay? I trust that you know. And Asiah, the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and the people and all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that burns against us because our fathers have not listened to the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Since Josiah responded that way, now let's look at God's response in verse 22. This is what God is saying about Josiah. This is the words of the Lord saying, Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I truly have heard you, declares the Lord. Let's look at another example of someone who's teachable. Let's jump to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 in the New Testament. We're going to have one example that comes from the Old Testament, one from the New. Acts chapter 8. This is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. 
Acts chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 26. Philip was a follower of Jesus already at this point. And both Philip and the Ethiopian, as we read this, I want you to look for um, how these two were, were teachable. And we're going to pull some, some truths from this. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, verse 26. Spoke to Philip saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go and join him in the chariot. And Philip ran and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture, which he was reading, was this. He was led by a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and began, beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. So these are the two stories that we're going to look at and see what God is saying about people who are teachable in God's word and the characteristics that they have. So in these two stories, how do we know that King Josiah, Philip, and the Ethiopian were teachable? Well, we're going to, we're going to learn three characteristics, and there are more of teachable people, but we're just going to look at three today that shows us what being teachable looks like. And the first characteristic that teachable people have is teachable people practice humility. Teachable people practice humility. All you have to do is look at God's response to King Josiah's willingness to learn. In verse 19, God says, Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself. To be humble simply means to have a right, modest, or appropriate opinion of yourself, right? The Bible in the New Testament says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. To have an opinion about ourselves that is healthy enough to say, I don't know it all and I'm willing to learn, especially from the God of the universe. Remember, who wouldn't want to learn from that God that we described, right? So what keeps people from being humble? Humility's got some roadblocks. But one of the biggest roadblocks is pride. The most unteachable people I know of in the Bible have to be the scribes and the Pharisees. Ever think about them? Man, they, I mean, Jesus was standing right in front of them. They're asking the Messiah that they had been waiting for questions to see if he's really the Messiah. I mean, Jesus is standing right there. Jesus speaks to them. And their own pride literally blinds them from the truth of Jesus Christ. So if, if that can happen to those people, there's probably times where it's happened to us, right? Where our own pride has literally blinded us from the truth standing right in front of us. I mean, I, I'd like to think if I were in the New Testament, I, I would be one of the few Pharisees who actually believed in Jesus. Maybe I wouldn't even be a Pharisee, but just one of the few, a person who said, this is Jesus, and be humble enough to see it. But in reality... I don't know if that's all the time true. You know, we like to think ourselves like that. But in reality, you know, I, I don't know. Would we? 
Pride literally blinded them from the Messiah who was standing right in front of them. How frustrating would that be to look back and say, wait a minute, that was Jesus. What was I doing? Do you ever have one of those moments? Like, why, why didn't I see that? You know, was I that blind? Well, pride usually blinds us. In Matthew 23, Jesus, uh, the title at the top may say something like, Woe to the scribes and Pharisees. And Jesus just goes through and at, at first glance looks like he's just berating the scribes and Pharisees, like, Woe to you hypocrites. And, you know, you don't even, you know, you do this instead of that. And he's, it seems like he's really upset. But after some further reading, Matthew chapter 23, Jesus' heart is actually broken. It's not being, what, in Matthew 23, it's not being set out of anger. It's actually being set out of sorrow. Where he literally feels bad saying, those scribes and Pharisees, like those religious leaders, his heart was broken and full of sorrow that they wouldn't recognize what was happening. In fact, in verses 5 through 12, talking about the scribes and Pharisees, in Matthew chapter 23, it says, But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden and lengthen the tassel of their garments. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. And then jump down to verse 11. It says, But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. That's what he's saying about the scribes and Pharisees. Humility is a big deal. Humility is a huge part of us being teachable. And pride is probably the biggest roadblock to being humble. See, practicing humility is absolutely essential. Pride always renders a person unteachable, no matter what. Here's what Proverbs 16, 18-19 says about pride. It says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. It is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. So, in order for someone... To be willing to learn and willing to learn from God, they must practice humility, right? In fact, Proverbs speaks quite, there's quite a few verses that speak to pride and humility um, throughout the entire book. So we need to be humble. Teachable people practice humility. The second thing that teachable people do, teachable people ask meaningful questions. I want you to stay with me on this. Teachable people ask meaningful questions. At, at first glance, this may not sound very spiritual, but it's actually incredibly spiritual and very practical. So do you remember the story of Philip and the Ethiopian, right? So Philip and the Ethiopian, a lot of that scripture is taken up by questions back and forth. Philip actually says, do you understand what you're reading? The Ethiopian says, how can I unless someone guides me? Then Philip comes and sits with him. The Ethiopian, please tell me, of who does this prophet say this, of himself or someone else? The Ethiopian later on and that section of Scripture says, See, here is water. What keeps me from being baptized? Here's the thing about asking questions or asking meaningful questions, whether they're verbal or not. But asking questions infers a processing of information. That's really what it does. Meaningful questions means a person's mind is engaged in the matter at hand. Doesn't it? In, in a classroom... A student who is asking meaningful questions is probably getting the most out of the class. Wouldn't you say that? Asking questions is evidence of an engaged mind. And if the mind is not engaged, how can someone reach a conclusion or gain understanding? Right? Have you ever been told something and then you don't remember it? 
You're like, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. And maybe your mom and dad are going, yeah, like a million times, you know, right? So, but we need to engage our mind. If our, like in a, in a class or a group setting, maybe you can relate to this. Have you ever been in a group? Maybe, maybe a Bible study, maybe a class, maybe, um, you know, a, a training at work. And, and a lot of times how they go is someone introduces something and then a lot of times you'll read or watch a video on something and then what always follows? There's, there's discussion questions. How many of you, those drive you nuts? You're like, now I can sit through the video, I can get what I can out of that, but now I have to do discussion questions. Really? <laughs> so we've all been there. The questions are the worst. Why? Because they literally, you know, when we say that, like, uh, we're kind of saying, I don't want to think that hard. You know, I really don't. Which is really saying, I'm kind of content with my understanding and really see no need to move forward on this topic. <laughs> right? If we were putting it in different words. Now, if the topic was the composition of a pine needle, I could understand that. That may be a little boring unless you're really into pine needles. Which, if you are, I apologize <laughs> for demeaning your incredibly awesome topic. But, if the topic is spiritually meaningful in nature, that can be dangerous, right? Did you ever think about that? that? That can actually be really dangerous. Don't be disengaged from what God is doing. If you're not sure what to do, what would your teacher always say? Ask. Raise your hand, right? Um, your parents would say, if you weren't sure what I just told you to do, it's okay for you to ask. It's all right. If you don't know what you should do, ask. If you don't know what God is saying in a certain scripture, find out. If, if you're not sure what happened, clarify. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8, about this whole idea of asking questions. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. But if you never ask, you never know. In order for Kristen and I to get married, I had to ask. And then she had to tell me <laughs> if that was going to work. And she hesitated. But then she said yes. Um, but it's, it's true of anything, right? We need to ask. Meaningful questions. So someone who's willing to learn from God will practice humility, will ask meaningful questions, and hopefully your next Connect groups and our Wednesday night classes is going to be awesome. People are going to be asking all kinds of questions. But asking meaningful questions, and the last characteristic I want, you to, I want to talk to you about today is this, that teachable people respond with obedience to what God says. Teachable people respond with obedience to what God says. This is kind of where the, the rubber meets the road. See, someone can't be teachable if they don't follow through in obedience, right? It's like saying, okay, take the trash out for me. You're like, I got it. And a day later, it's still sitting there. Hey, what about the trash? I'm all over it. Don't worry about it. And it doesn't, it's not taken out. Hey, the, I asked you to take the trash out. Oh, I know, I know. You don't have to tell me twice. Yeah. <laughs> 
but if you know, why aren't you doing it, right? That's, that's it. Teachable people have to follow through in obedience. It's like your boss coming up to you at work telling you to do something, and maybe you even ask a few clarifying questions, but then you never do it, right? It's like you ask someone to take out the trash and they don't do it. And maybe even a better example would be if you were talking to your spouse about people who were coming over this weekend and everything in the house that had to be done before they came. Not that this has ever happened to me. You love your spouse, right? You're a team. You work together. Uh, you both agree that you should have these friends or family come over. So you agree on the things that need to be done. You're going to take care of these things, and they'll accomplish that, right? You talk it through. You ask questions. You clarify. Then at 7 p.m. on Friday, the doorbell rings. The agreed-upon time to have friends come over, and you realize, I didn't finish the things that I said I would do. Isn't that kind of a sickening feeling? You're like, ah, oh, I thought I had more time, right? The good news is, 1 Corinthians, and I, I quote this to Kristen, I'll say, 1 Corinthians says, love keeps no record of wrongs. <laughs> right, Kristen? That's right. And thankfully, she doesn't. But seriously, as, as teachable people, it's best for us to follow through in obedience in every area of our lives. King Josiah in, in, in 2 Kings, now jumping to chapter 23, after hearing the word of God, followed through by clearing out the idols and changing how the nation worshipped. God told Philip to get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. And the very next sentence says, so he got up and went. That's what God wants us to do. And then it goes on to say, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch. See, the thing with obedience, it's, it's important for us to obey because God wants to reveal himself, his purposes and ways to us, right? However, a lot of times, God doesn't want to just reveal those things to us and get us to obey so we only learn something. It usually is, will be a spiritual benefit to those around us. As a parent, our kids usually don't develop in areas beyond where we've developed. Does that make sense? That's why the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. If there's, a, if there's great maturity in one area, chances are our kids tend to gain maturity in that area. If there's immaturity in a certain area, our kids don't usually develop past our own maturity. This is naturally how it happens. Of course, there can be exceptions. But it's true. A lot of times... God doesn't want us to obey, so we just learn something. It's usually going to be a spiritual benefit to those around us. Like King Josiah was able to lead an entire nation in the right direction because of his obedience. Philip was able to help a foreigner become a committed follower of Jesus because of his obedience. Because of the obedience of 12 disciples and the many that followed, Christianity has been spread around the world. Are you getting this? We have to follow through. Those around us, our, our family and friends, neighbors, co-workers, we may be the ones God wants to use to change their life. God will orchestrate conversations, friendships, or situations to influence someone around us for Jesus. And I hope that you're recognizing that being teachable is more than just an avenue to self-betterment. It's the avenue God has used for thousands of years to literally change the world. God wants all of us to be teachable and love learning from Him 
and His Word. Don't you agree? The good news is, all of you that are here today are demonstrating at least a willingness to be teachable, to learn from God. The simple fact that you are at church today means that you possess a desire to hear God's Word and learn from it. Good job. Hopefully that's why we're here. The other piece of the good news is that you have control over whether or not you have a teachable heart or you don't. Being teachable is just one aspect of this concept that we call free will. See, free will is a God-given ability to choose. God could have made us little robots where we automatically worship our Savior and we have no choice in it. But he didn't do that. He gave us a free will so we can choose Jesus or not. And we can also choose other things. We can choose a salad or a cheeseburger. We can choose paper or plastic, right? We can choose to be happy or mad, to accept and follow or not, to have a heart open to learning from God and His Word or not. So what should be first this year? Giving no discredit to anything that's been preached about in order for us to learn anything and therefore become obedient. We need to be teachable. Otherwise, it's all going to fall on unteachable hearts and deaf ears. We all need to be a little bit more teachable, including myself. So in 2015, let's practice being teachable people. And you know what the cool part is? If we do that as a church body, God will use all of you. He will use us as a local church that can begin to change this community in this area. And that's pretty awesome. Isn't that kind of what we're all looking for? We are. It's what I'm looking for. Characteristics that teachable people have, they practice humility. They ask meaningful questions. They obey what God tells them to do. God's plan for all of us is to be willing to learn from Him and His Word. If that's what God wants for us, then that's what I want too. That's my heart too. And I know it's yours this morning too. Would you please stand with me this morning? We're going to end in time of prayer. And as we close today, let's practice being teachable. Maybe you need to spend some time at the altars or in your seat just talking to God and saying, Lord, what have I missed? What do you want me to get? Help me to be teachable. Maybe there's a characteristic that you need to work on. Or, or maybe you need to have a conversation with your spouse. Maybe you need to have a family meeting. I don't know what, you, what God wants you to do, but God wants us all to learn something. As we close today, I would ask this as I close in prayer and people are allowed time to, to just respond however they see fit, that God, what God would like to do. If you feel dismissed by the Holy Spirit, I just ask that you'd leave quietly so as not to disturb what God wants to do in people's hearts and minds here. So God, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that your word spells out ways that we can be teachable. Lord, the importance of being teachable. Lord, too many times for all of us, there's examples of of truth falling on deaf ears or 
or, or things that I should have done or that we should have done that maybe we didn't because our own pride got in the way or, or, or maybe we just our mind wasn't even engaged in it or maybe we just never followed through. So God, I pray this for all of us here at Portview Church that we would be teachable people. That this would be a group of people who is willing to learn from you whose minds and hearts are open to whatever you have to say. Lord, and sometimes it may be big, sometimes it may be very small, sometimes it may be just a simple revelation of a relationship. Maybe sometimes, Lord, it might be something going on at work. Lord, any little thing, we want your heart, we want your mind, we want your wisdom on. But in order to receive that, we need to be teachable. Lord, and when we're teachable, throughout history, you've used teachable people to change the world. You've used willing hearts to impact entire nations. You've used kings to turn around an entire nation. You've used neighbors to to lead their friends and their co-workers to Christ. You've used individuals, God, to change their family trajectory. And and that, that way of you working hasn't changed. So God, I pray that we would be open to it that our hearts would be so moved, that our minds would be so engaged, that we couldn't help to see your truth and where you're working around us and then be obedient to follow through with it. Thank you, God, that you entrust us with that, that you give us the ability to choose. I pray that each morning when we wake up, God, tomorrow morning, Monday morning, we're all going back to work, that when we wake up, say, God, here I am. What do you want to show me today? no matter what we're feeling or thinking, what do you want to show me today? So God, go with us. As we go to, to gather together to, with maybe friends and family, we've got plans today, shoveling snow, whatever we have going on today, I pray that you would just bring your truth to our minds. You would help all of us, God, to better reflect the characteristics of a teachable person. Thank you, God. Thank you for it. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.